Episode 54 of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. And we're going to go over the honor and the pleasure of reviewing the great show that was all out that just took place this last Sunday, as me, as well as all the Keep the Kayfabe boys, were there to witness it firsthand. And we're going to go over our picks, and we will review... Uh, the card, we'll go over our thoughts, our highlights of the night. And uh, if you didn't check out our last show, episode 53, be sure to subscribe to Keep the Kayfabe right now on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. So you can uh, be in the know of what we're doing and uh, when our new episodes are dropping. So before we get down to all that business, let's get acclimated with the fellas real quick. Over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. How are you, Grubby? Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes, yes. 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 <laughs> I'd also like, I'd like to, uh, Absolutely. I'd also like a quick shout out to new listener, Glenn. What's up, Glenn? Friend of the channel. Oh, God. <laughs> How are you, Glenn? Hope you're enjoying yourself on the road to your next wrestling show. Anyway. Let's talk to somebody who keeps it freshly squeezed, Mr. Matt Michelson. How are you, Matt? Meet us in the ring. We're the Mexican Kings. Oh yeah. Penta says. <laughs> yeah. There was a big meetup in the ring this past <clears throat> Sunday. We're going to oh, get yeah. to that fabulous match. Can't wait to talk about that. But before we do that, let's talk to my guy. Oh, my God! It's Charlie Michael. You know it's all about the boom! Adam Cole, baby, you know it's all about the boom. That's a that's a that's what I got out of the lyrics so far. Nice <laughs> of, his, of his new opening theme. You'll, you'll this song's all about the boom. I'm pretty sure that's going to be worked in there uh, pretty soon once the crowd figures that out. Oh, once absolutely. Figure out the song. They Charlie, that, between, that's cool that they kept the boom. Charlie, between that song and Daniel Bryan's, or well, excuse me, Brian Danielson's new music, which would you yep. say is your favorite? Shit, it's hard, man. I, li- I like that Adam Cole song. We'll see if, if they put some lyrics to Daniel's. Daniel's is good because it sounds like that fucking old Harlem Heat, but the lyrics, uh, Adam Cole's are pretty, and it's a pretty funky beat. It's Man, it's tough. It's, right now, it's all about the boom. It's all about the boom, Adam Cole, baby. I sure hope they put the boom in his song because, yeah, you're right, Charlie. It is. It is in the boom. That's that's the name of the fucking song. It's all about the boom. (laughs) That's that's what the lyrics are. Well, once they get it worked in. It's all about the boom. Yeah, once they get it worked in. Oh, yeah, once they they hear it, you know, that boom's coming in. Adam Cole, baby. Listen to it. It's a fucking good song, dude. I've listened to it maybe ten times. (laughs) 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 It's a quick little – it's a quick – it's a quick little dip. Quick little ditty. Yeah, it'll get you going in the morning. 
All right, so huge show uh, down in Chicago this last weekend on Sunday, Labor Day weekend. If you if you're ever going to be anywhere Labor Day weekend, and you're a wrestling fan, try to travel to Schaumburg, Illinois next year because. My God, I went to All In. I went to the last All Out, and this past All Out surpassed all of those into one. And I got to think they're only be getting better and better, and they're going to save the best for All Out in years to come. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. I celebrate all of you, and I can't wait to talk about uh, the great night that we had. All the Keep the KFA boys were down there. We had a great time. We sat in the same row. It was the first wrestling show that we all saw together Sitting yeah. all next to each other all at once, too. And what a first one to have, eh, boys? It was the best of all time for me. Yeah, same. And I've heard a lot of critics talking about how this is, in some you know sectors, the best wrestling pay-per-view of all time. And I'm sure there's a lot of qualifiers for that as far as recency, you know, what happened, debuts, stuff like that. But as someone who attended it in person, especially with you guys, by far the best live wrestling show I've ever seen. And that's, you know, we've seen some good shows, but wow, this was incredible. Oh, yeah. The crowd oh, yeah, was hyped. That's yeah. yep. why the best It a long time too. to get in there, too. Oh, my gosh. It was pretty It was pretty crazy. We had a pretty banging tailgate out in the parking lot. Um, we, had a, we got there early and settled in. I'm so happy we did because... Uh, we got something in our stomachs. We got, uh, you know, the juice is flowing. And on the way in there, it took us maybe about a mile wait in line to get in. But once the doors open, um, it went pretty fast. Yeah. Literally, Literally took the around whole the building. lap around the whole building to get in line. Could have started right where we, we <laughs> started got to at. the door. But, yeah. you know, it's all part of the experience. Hey, we worked off some energy. It was pretty cool. We worked off some energy. We got our steps in for the day. And we also got to see all the great shirts that everybody was wearing, uh, too. So that was pretty fun. Uh, Steve, I think your favorite was a mom that was saying or was wearing a T-shirt. Someone get these hands or what was yeah. it? Braun Strowman? Yeah, that was the Braun Strowman. Yeah. I just love it because, you know, like, you know, that's not somebody that's where, you know, like your buddy that wore the Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah. thing. It's somebody that was just there with their son and they thought like they could relate. I'll, I'll, and it was yeah, the I'll best. Wear, I'll, wear, yeah. I'll just, I'll just wear a wrestling shirt. It doesn't yeah. matter. They're I, all the same. <laughs> I found it. I found it very oh, yeah. endearing. Yeah. Yeah. She looked like she could be a member on the Jerry Springer show too. So it was just yeah. so fitting. I love that. Um, we had a lot of good times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So, let's get to the, the matches. Uh, we didn't really have to predict the opener, the buy-in. That was kind of thrown in last minute because we had a match drop. Uh, Andrade versus Pac, so we're not going to go over that. But we will see that match coming up this Friday on Rampage, which will be great. Not the match of the night, but it, it will be. be the match of the night probably on Rampage. Which Absolutely. is what I said, match of the night. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't, I didn't say where. I just said to be match of the night. Tacticality, just like just like Jericho's win, just like that old Keith Lee bet that Mike and Charlie still have going to this day. Oh, Keith, that that bet's solid. That bet's solid in my favor, dude. He'll be he'll be an AEW yeah, before he wins that. <laughs> before that, he'll be an AEW before the Bears win the championship. Trust me. <laughs> Let's go to the first match of the evening. It was between the champion, TNT champion, Miro, versus 
Eddie Kingston. And what a way to start off the night. It was a pretty smart move on their part. I didn't understand how over Eddie Kingston was with some of the fans. I mean, they blew up for him when they oh, when his music hit. I think the Friday Night Line it really helped get him even more over than he was. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's nuts. Yeah. yeah, you're totally right, Charlie. Yeah, redeem these nuts. It was on his T-shirt. Somebody even made a sign. So, yeah. He's got he, that definitely bumped him up a couple matches for sure. And uh, this was a pretty interesting match because um, everybody took Miro except for Charlie. But I honestly followed Charlie and used my mulligan, which we're going to rebrand next prediction show. You'll have to wait and see what we're going to call it next. Uh, but I took Eddie Kingston. So Steve and Matt both took Miro. Me and Charlie took Eddie. And uh, Miro came out victorious. Eddie uh, was not going to win gold tonight, and I should have stuck with my guns, but that's okay. What we're, did you guys think of this match? I think we were all winners on that one. That was a great match. It was like a really hot yeah. opener. That was a great way to open it, yep. Yeah, because the crowd was super into it. Eddie's just like, you know, he's gold. And um, he's as gold as his redeemed. He's not sure it's gold. Um, and Miro is awesome. I mean, so this was just, it was just a hard-hitting, fun match. I mean... Yeah, that's a great – got everybody fired up. Yeah, 100%. I, it's so funny when you see this show live versus on TV because I've watched parts of it back ever since seeing it in person. And in person, it it's just every element of it, you're so soaked into it. On the night, even before the bell rang, either guy could have won. Um, and even when the match started, it could have gone either way. I think taking a step back from that before we did the predictions and just thinking about longer term – who does it make more sense to have go over, right? I think Eddie Kingston's a great opponent for Miro, and we saw that at this pay-per-view. He absolutely was. Not quite the right guy in the right place at the right time, though. So, fantastic match. I, I've actually watched that match back again. Um, really hard-hitting. Steve and I were actually talking during the show just about how intense some of the shots were. And for being a pretty typical you know, kind of middle-of-the-road match as far as work rate goes, it really had us just hanging on by every moment of every move they did so really good match right and to keep the momentum going they threw on john moxley versus satoshi kojima next um that was a pretty fun match uh packed with some surprises but before we get to that it was unanimous by us us picking john moxley but i was to win which he did but i was very surprised to see kojima uh how dominating uh kojima was against John Moxley in this match. He really threw John around. Yeah, he did. This was interesting. Um, I, I, I've i heard of Kojima before. Never seen any of his matches. Not really familiar with his work. But even within the first few minutes, I was into this match. And there were moments, you know, if you were there in person, there were moments during the match where I feel like the crowd started to turn on John Moxley a little bit. And Kojima sort of worked the babyface role right. more so. Um but it totally worked. And by the end of the match, of course, Moxley's back in the crowd's good graces. Kojima got some really good offense in. And it always blows my mind when you get a guy from New Japan who, regardless of the language barrier, he can communicate with the crowd. He can work the crowd. People get behind him regardless. So really good match. Um, it's interesting getting a guy who has that much history behind him, too, to wrestle Moxley just because you know you're going to get something great out of it. And we definitely did. So, all around, great match. I think its placement on the card really made sense, too, especially in the early going. I think, uh, you know, while the four of us all predicted the same, that Moxley was going to win, 
there's a gentleman next to Matt that was clearly not. It was hilarious. He was yeah. so he was so in like angry over the outcome, and it was like, how do you? I, I get if you're into you know Japanese wrestling or whatever. But how can you be that tone deaf that Moxley was not going <laughs> to yeah, exactly. He was not going to lose that match. This guy, yeah, yeah. This he's, guy he's, actually um, looked like he was at a Lord of the Rings Comic Con yes, too, or yes. like had a fairy, like wishes he married a, a fairy princess Tinkerbell or something. He was pretty yeah, nerdy. Was, I don't know oh. if he had it totally together, but you know, God love him. I, I'm yeah. sure he had a good time. But yeah, great moment. So yeah, that was a good. No, that was a fun match. It was like yeah, I don't. I don't really have a lot of background either, other than I just appreciated it for what it was. It was just a hard hitting, awesome beat down back and forth. And yeah, it was to Matt's point. It at the height of the match, the crowd was almost split 50-50, which I guess speaks to a lot of things. Chicago's a smart audience that kind of knows their wrestling. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh, at the very end of this match a huge surprise no this was on nobody's radar and who would have possibly thought uh yeah. that sendow uh suzuki is that no Mino- sendow no menorah suzuki let's call it Min- is this menorah oh, my, suzuki. Bad, my bad yo right one of the hardest hitting guys in new japan from what i understand he's a uh he's got to be over 50 right yeah he's, he's, he's like my age yeah like 54 55 he's up there yeah, he's definitely one of the hardest hitting guys in Japan. Definitely, oh, he's insane, ass. dude. He's yeah, insane. He, his matches People, are scary yeah. to watch because everything about him is so believable. And you know, yeah. I almost and he looks mean. He looks tough. Yeah, for sure. And the exchange we saw between him and Moxley was intense. Like, you, we were fortunate enough to see them exchange elbows as like you know the post match angle. And that's his thing. And John Moxley and Suzuki have wrestled, I believe, in New Japan once yeah. before. And yeah. it was such a hard-hitting match. Um, I would love to see it again. And we are going to get to see it again, actually, this Wednesday on Dynamite from Cincinnati, John Moxley's hometown. So pretty awesome that he gets to wrestle. I think the guy that he has said is one of his favorite New Japan guys to wrestle in his hometown. So really looking forward to seeing this. Yeah. If you Google that, you, you want to really see how brutal this dude is. If you want to Google um, uh, Suzuki versus, um, versus Asuka over in Japan before she became WWE, he uh, he roughed he roughed her up. <laughs> it's 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 pretty wow. intense, dude. It's pretty intense, dude. It's like damn, dude. It's like because he just has that reputation and like it don't matter. He. He'll, if you if you want to if you want him to lay it in, he'll lay his shit in, dude. It's crazy, crazy, dude. I will definitely have to go see yeah, that. Check, that yeah, sounds, look it up, uh, dude. Insane. If anything, it'll be a nice reminder of who Asuka is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very true. The next match was quite the thriller. It was Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, current champion, and she came out with Kate, uh, Jamie Hadar and Rebel. And she did defeat Chris Statlander for the women's um, AEW championship. And Chris was out there with Orange Cassidy. This was an awesome, awesome match. This was one that I was definitely looking forward to just because of how much of a specimen Statlander is. But also, I am just a huge mark for Britt Baker. I'm 
pretty much obsessed at this point. Now that she's worked in the Pittsburgh Sunrise, which should have been the tell of the guest that was oh, there. Oh, I knew that, dude. It was yeah. an outside chance. The fact yep. that she used it. Yeah. Well, we, we should have known when we saw it. It was like, well, why would she ever use the Panama Sunrise in AEW if that move is still in NXT or WWE? We should have been yep. like, wow, Cole must be here. But well, um, I knew it was, you know, I knew it was okay. coming. The crowd popped hard. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. But yeah. I wasn't sure about the night of. The night, yeah. But she uses the curb. She uses the curb stomp too, though. That doesn't mean Seth Rollins is coming. No, I wish he was, man. <laughs> That's a good point. She uses the curb stomp a lot. <laughs> Chris Statlander did get over in this match uh, with with the loss. She put on a hell of a show. Took some huge bumps off the apron, off the top turnbuckle. And I think she's one of the most athletic women in AEW. So it was the perfect first person to debut the Pittsburgh Sunrise on. So uh, what did you guys think of this match? It was good. Did it serve its purpose? Statlander's best match? Yeah, I would I would totally yeah. agree. Statlander's best match by far. It was interesting too seeing, like, I mean, I don't know that I've seen her wrestle one-on-one -on -one ever since she got injured. She's really been mostly in tag matches or coming out with the best friends. So I think this was a great reminder of how good of a wrestler she can be if given the opportunity, yeah. especially with how much she's gotten in shape as of late. Yeah, I might be biased, but I think she's a better wrestler at this point than Britt Baker. And I think it was a good, I mean, Britt Baker had easily her best match, I think, this, this weekend. I think she's had a few of them, but she's been, oh, in, she's been inconsistent. Her yeah, and Thunder Rosa, dude. Yeah, yeah they, that was short-term yeah, memory be, there. Yeah, yeah, that might be her second best, but yeah, her and Thunder Rosa were but really good. I do think she's still at that point where she's, oh, she's a, a work in progress, where she oh, needs a totally. strong, she needs a strong opponent, and I think yeah. it helped her out. She's totally improved. Just remember where she was a year oh, ago. Yeah, Just, yeah. Even wrestling-wise, she's so much better. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, that was a fun match. I think. Um, you knew Britt was going to win. We all knew Britt was going to win, but it, but it was good. And, and I also like, again, kudos to AEW. I've been having a hard time figuring out what they're doing with Britt, where they won't make her, They still she's still cowardly heel, even though everybody loves her. But that match was so good that, again, it's not like the fans shit on Chris, Chris Stantlander. They, uh, they liked both of them. You know, there was a good chance going both ways, just appreciating it for what it was. Matt, did you have anything on this one? Not a whole lot between what these guys said. I mean, I would agree this was Britt Baker's best match. Um, beyond Thunder Rosa, of course, that was a classic. Um, but definitely Chris Statlander's match, kind of like I said earlier on. I think the match overall was great. Again, I, I think one thing you can anybody can say about All Out that holds true is I think the order that they placed all these matches on the card could not have been any better. It was perfect. Yeah, good, yeah, good oh, match placement. Yep, For sure. It really was. And I think this match is no different. Yeah, and speaking of unbelievable match placement, uh, the next match that followed uh, Britt and Chris was the Lucha Brothers with um, Alex Abrejantes versus the Young Bucks. Pretty much the match everybody came to see if you're not a huge CM Punk, Darby Allin, Mark. I know we were. We were all in agreement that Lucha Brothers were going to win, except for one lone wolf, and that's Charlie Michael. He went out on yep. his own, thought the Young Bucks were going to keep their titles a little longer. Yeah, we were up. all in agreement, Steve, Matt, and I, uh, that the Lucha Brothers, this was their time. You could just tell from the intro of them coming out. They were just lit in the ring. 
just like oh, caged man. animals in there. And honestly, when the Young Bucks were coming out to their theme music, everybody was chanting Sierra Romero louder than the Bucks music. I mean, you couldn't hear the Young Bucks intro music, and that was so cool. This match was 22 minutes long. Um, it oh, had wow. me on the edge of my seat for 22 minutes long. I mean, it was. I mean, the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, they're almost too smooth and how good they are. They work together. It's just unbelievable. It can't even be described nor mimicked. We'll never see a, a matchup feud like this probably ever again to their style who do it better than these two guys. And I was really happy to see uh, these two teams, I should say. And I was happy to see the Lucha Bros finally get their uh, the gold wrapped around their waist. Now oh, yeah. They've been there since day one. And uh, we love you, Young Bucks, but, man, I'm so happy for the Lucha Bros and um, all they worked for to get there. I agree. This, uh, I think the my favorite parts of the match, um, first and foremost, was actually before the match started when they had live music for their intro, which I haven't seen live at a show before. I mean, NXT TakeOver used to be really well known for doing this, but I think it's one of the first times AEW has done this. So that was really cool. Pentagon and Phoenix come out in these aztec traditional headdresses that were just super cool from that moment i, I remember looking over at steve just thinking yeah they're winning this match because why <laughs> put all this effort to just yeah, exactly. have them to lose the to the young bucks. Yeah. Yeah. um so that was a really cool moment i think after the match um actually when pentagon got the pin um you know and i was telling these guys in the moment during that actually after the show was over i actually had like tears in my eyes a little bit just because the build during the match was so suspenseful and charlie and i were talking about how they did such a good job building this match to the point where i was thinking i swear to god if the young bucks win this i'm gonna lose my shit because the people would have rioted dude they oh, would, yeah, people they, would have rioted yeah, it was they'd so have, they'd have lost it dude because <laughs> you could cut the tension with a knife um they would have they would have had a serious problem Yep. Yeah, so it was a big moment of relief at the end when they did win. The third and final thing that um, I found really cool about the match wasn't even during the match or the match itself. Um, during the post-show media scrum, Tony Khan actually had the Lucha Bros come out and answer a bunch of questions. And Phoenix, um, actually, I, maybe it was Pentagon, actually. I, I don't remember. But one of them said that they would love to have a rematch with the Young Bucks. Yeah. Maybe year or two down the line where they do a hair versus mask match oh, which i think would be imagine the most yep. amazing rematch <laughs> yeah that would As be a, crazy bro oh gosh yeah i mean i could see them I could, all four of those guys would be down for that that would be amazing no it was an outstanding oh my god i mean what can you say about that match it was just one of the best matches i've ever seen in my life and um yeah i you know i've said this before on the show I'm a smart fan that is traditionally like the heels in my life, but the bucks are so damn good at what they do that I fucking hate them. And I would have, I was getting anxious and like, I, I would have been furious if they won, even knowing full well, they're doing that, you know, it's a role and all that. I just was emotionally invested that I'm like the fucking blue chip brothers better win this damn thing. And they did. And I just, Oh man, it was like euphoric. It was so great to see them win. As one of the best friends sitting alongside Steve, I can attest to that. There was a, I think up until this match, Steve and I were just kind of, you know, chatting about the matches as they would go, but just kind of pointing out, you know, objective things about them. Nothing really, not getting emotionally invested in anything. I'll say that. But 
there was definitely a moment in this match, and I don't remember the exact moment, but I think it was when the Bucks had done something else, killed another moment of hope for the Lucha Bros during the match, where Steve's frustration got the best of him, and he just started yelling at the wrestlers in the ring. And <laughs> that's when I knew this match was special, because if it can break one of us, it can break Yeah, one. I love it. That's wrestling at its best right there. They sucked you in. They sucked me in, yep. Charlie, do you have any remarks on this one? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, like you said, being there, Lucha Bros had to go over because it might have killed the mood of the show. But I would have, I would have waited a little bit longer, just because now the Bucks are over that show. The Bucks were over his heels. People were saying "fuck the Young Bucks." They were hating on the Young Bucks. They finally got over his heels where people weren't cheering him, and I think a little bit longer would have made him solid heels. But now it's, well, we'll see where they go, but it's like they have no title. So them being heels doesn't doesn't matter anymore because they have nothing that no one wants or chasing them for. So being a heel is no big deal. You're you're not in the title picture, so what does it matter? But we'll see what they do. It'll be entertaining because they got the, uh, we'll talk about it later, the, the big guy coming out with them, AC. But it's like where do you go with this next because – you don't have your title. You don't. You can't brag about all your rich shit. How you have all the Jordans and you have all these clothes and all these, you know, the stuff, and you have the titles. So now what? But we'll yeah. see. I'm sure they have it planned uh, out. You know yeah, what? I, you know what they do have still that the Lucha Bros do not have, and that's Don Callis. Yeah, <laughs> the Invisible Hand. Oh no, yeah. they have something better in Alex Abrahantes. <laughs> now what they now what they should do is they should have a rematch soon and just steal it from them and get it back. <laughs> I'm still wondering. And that'll really piss off the fans. Oh which my make god. It, which should make them even bigger heels. Yeah, I you know, that's not a terrible idea. Uh, Charlie, I feel like you've been hanging out with Vince McMahon way too much. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, I mean no, that's a No, I actually think that's a yeah, pretty that's a, that's a pretty I, I, I don't want to see that happen, but that's that, that'd be good shit. <laughs> yeah. That's 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 not Vince's booking, but that's a way to keep them in the mix. Because now it's, I mean, they're still number one contenders, but now it's going to be, in, well, it can't be Jungle Boy, it can't be Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because they're faces. They get, I mean, I, I guess AEW would do that, but but it's like who's the number one contenders now? FTR. FTR. What about Proud and Powerful? They just they, they beat them. But you know what? They're yeah, they're like different kind of faces. I think they they'd work against the Lucha Bros. So yeah, one of those two teams could figure it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get, you get those teams will be good. So they got. We'll options. see where it goes. They got they got a lot of options. But like, you, like you, but another thing you guys were saying too, with Adam Cole coming in now, maybe they'll do the three the three the six man tag thing. Oh, that'd be great. There's a lot of mileage yeah. there. Yeah. Um, one one thing too is you know as we discussed, Andrade and Pac got pushed. I wonder if they're abandoning or they're still committed to this weird story where Andrade's trying to recruit the Lucha Brothers because you know his whole thing was oh. Pac. Was, his whole thing was Pac was holding him back, but now they want it all. So I wonder what they're going to do there if they're just going to stick with Pac or maybe Pac will turn on them or something. But that's still there, and AEW doesn't typically dump stories easily. So I wonder if they're nope. gonna, I wonder what's coming. Maybe uh, Andrade will find a team to challenge him. Yep, yeah, there you go. Yep, he'll team up with somebody. You never know. 
And uh, maybe it'll be Andrade and Mojo Raleigh against them or something. Sweet. <laughs> and that and that began and, and that and that began the downfall of oh, WCW 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> Thus began. Go ahead, Mike. All right. Well, there's no doubt about it that the Young Bucks, this was the perfect ending to their awesome heel run. Congrats to them for what they accomplished to get the entire um now center to say fuck the young bucks that was quite the accomplishment fuck and it was quite the oh yeah one, yep. one so um then like we were we've been saying all night throughout the show was perfect uh match placement they put the 21 woman casino battle royale in right after this match kind of nice because it gave people a chance to go take a piss get another beer uh, take a breather for a second. You know, you see a lot of women come out, put on a good show, but still the big reveal was at the end. And this match was 22 minutes. So people had wow. pretty much 20 minutes to get their shit together uh, before they brought out Ruby, 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 Soho. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> she comes screaming out. People yep. are going ballistic. Char- Charlie gained uh, one back on all of us by picking Ruby Soho to win this match, which is a great call by him. Awesome job, Charlie. Easy, easy and, booking. Um, right. Yeah. You probably could have seen it coming from a mile away, and I'm glad one of us called it because it makes us look like we know what we're talking about. So thank you, Charlie. But, um, yeah, this was a fun match. I mean, Ruby debuted. She had a lot of emotion. She hugged the uh, ref right afterwards. They probably yeah, had a that lot was of great. history together, too. They do. It was just a great feel-good moment. And uh, and it just bulks up the depth on the women's roster for AEW oh, yeah. right now. Did anybody else want to make any remarks before yeah. we move ahead? Yeah. So I mean, I don't like battle royals anymore in my life. I t- they tend to just be a cluster. Yeah. Yeah. But, totally. And, totally. But this one was one of the better ones, and I think because they kind of and I think that stipulation actually helped it because it wasn't like 20, 30 people starting in the ring. It was like you know they had like they had time to do a couple things. Like you got to see a little of the interplay between. Uh, Ty Conti and Penelope Ford and um, and the Bunny and uh, Anna Jay, you know that story developed a little bit. You had uh, Nyla Rose betray uh, um, Jade Cargill like weeks into their partnership, so that was pretty great and uh, stuff like that. And I think yeah. uh, and then Ruby just stole the show. So and I mean it was so great that how the crowd was into it and like welcomed her and it was really emotional for her. It was just yeah, their division is I mean. Everybody used to always tout the WWE's women's division. And I don't know, you know, AEW's maybe doesn't have the sheer talent, but they're going to pass them pretty quick. I disagree with Steve in the sense that I, I've always kind of been a fan of battle Royals. I'm especially the Royal rumble. Um, but I do think the casino battle Royale, the format of it really hasn't done well in the past because it can get clunky. There's a lot of room for production errors and things like that. Um, I would go as far as to say I think this Casino Battle Royale of all the ones AEW has done so far is by far the best one. Um, now, part of that might be biased because we were actually there to see it in person. Sure. But I do feel, kind of like Steve said, there was a lot of subplots during the match that made it a little more interesting. The Joker was genuinely a great surprise versus in the past where they've had some soft debuts of you know people who are kind of known you know amongst the hardcore wrestling fans, whereas in this case you have a former WWE women's wrestler you know debut. Um, with a huge pop, by the way, too, which was really exciting to see. So I think it was a really good match in that sense. Um, 
you know, seeing it live, like I said, I'm sure helped. I do like that uh, this time around when they would introduce each suit, the wrestlers would each get their own individual entrance with their video and music. It was cut short a little bit, but I think it's, you know, moving in the right direction. And if they're going to stick with this format, I think they are clearly trying to make it better, at least a little bit each time. Yep. I thought I liked uh, the shortened, you know, music and visuals, kept it moving. You know, I thought it was a good show, good length of time, like I said, right in the middle of the card. Um, and yeah, really looking forward to see who Ruby Riot uh, goes on a mission. I don't think she'll take it off of Brit right away, but um, it will probably percolate a pretty good story uh, throughout the promotion. I also just wanted to say real quick, I wanted to say real quick too, I thought it was great how like, so, you know, some of these secondary stars like Diamante, Big Swole and uh, Sky Blue uh, dispensed some real um, hard hitting action there. Oh yeah, very high flying and um, have fists of stone. Yeah. All right, moving right along, we have MJF versus Chris Jericho and if Chris Jericho lost this match Chris Jericho would no longer wrestle in AEW which I thought would be total bullshit and that's why I thought MJF would uh take this match Steve thought he would take this match too um Matt and Charlie stuck with Chris Jericho I thought MJF was gonna win just because it was gonna be more long-term booking give Chris a break and they can always break that Agreement. I mean, it's just a stupid match stipulation. It's wrestling. No, AEW sticks to their stuff, dude. Just look at the Cody thing, dude. They stick to it, and I don't think they're. I don't think they want to start doing that stuff to their fans. If they if they set a step, they're sticking to it, dude. Hmm. Well, I think they would stick. I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not saying they would come back right away. I would probably take like a year off, and I'm sure. The fans would pretty much want to see a match by him, and they wouldn't be too upset about it. So I don't know. That's where yeah, my head was at. I, but yeah. what was stupid was I should have picked Jericho because if MJF is wearing a three and O shirt over Chris Jarrett blow, there's no way MJF is going to beat him four times. So um, it was a pretty good match. There was a little hijinks at the end. They had to go to a photo review. It was some old school stuff where. Uh, the ref did not see Chris Jericho's foot on the ropes during the three count. They had to go back and had a big hustle and bustle, get the crowd worked up in a frenzy. What happens? Chris Jericho is uh, back on to wrestle MJF. Uh, match can keep going. He hits him with, uh, he didn't even hit him with the Judas effect. What did he get him in the walls of Jericho and make him tap if I remember correctly? Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. How do we think uh, Chris Jericho looked in this match? Because MJF looked really good. I would say uh, MJF carried this match for sure, if anything. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think in terms of work rate and stuff, yeah, absolutely. MJF's carrying it for sure. Um, you know, when we talk about the predictions for this match, I think all of us won in a sense, right? Because MJF won, but then Chris Jericho won. So in turn, we all win. Um, but I, I, I agree. I will say I'm not really a fan of the dirty finishes. I, I've just watched way too much WWE in my life where now I'm just, you know, it's ruined it for me. But I do think this particular match, the way they framed it, especially with the stipulation they had in place, 
it made perfect sense to do it this way. You brought the crowd down so hard when you see Chris Jericho lose the match. We're all accustomed to what the referee says and their their decisions final, as we've been trained to think. Um, but kind of like you said, Mike, the photo finish, the review at the end with the two referees talking it over and then deciding to restart the match. Such a great feeling. And I know we've seen that in the past. I think there was a match back in WWE in like the late 90s where Mick Foley had the same thing happen in one of his matches and came back to win. So it has been done well before. It's just been a really long time since they've pulled this off. And what a great match to do it in. I think before the false finish in the beginning, people were kind of into the match itself, but not as much as they could have been given the stipulation. But I'll tell you what, the moment Aubrey Edwards and Justin Roberts gets on the mic and says that the match will be restarted, this crowd was red hot for the rest of the match. Oh, yeah. You knew the, fi- the finish was coming. You could sense – I mean – MJF already, you know, got screwed out of it. Well, of course, Chris Jericho is going to win after that. Why would they do a double screw? Because it's just, yeah. it's not good booking in that sense. So, I, yeah, I think this match was done really well. It, it was a smart move to get the fans really invested in it if they weren't already. Yeah, well, that's, sorry. that I mean, with the weird stipulation like that at the end, uh, where they could just reverse the call. I thought that's what they could probably do a year from now. Just find some weird stipulation in the in the fine print. They could just make something up and bring Jericho back. It's kind of like a microcosm of what I thought would happen long term. I think it's stupid because you get into that stupid WWE taking shit back and just forgetting shit. I, I don't like that. I'm glad that I'm glad they don't do that because it's just. It just makes for a wonky, anything can happen, not, nothing means anything kind of deal. You know, I want to, like, if you say you're done, you're done, you know? I think I'm interested to see, like, I, one thing I, you guys talked about, I mean, I don't want to go into the match because you said it all. I thought it was a good match. It played to Jericho. You know, Jericho had a good opponent. He looked better than he's looked recently. Um, but in terms of the stipulate or the, uh, you know, the false finish and all that, what I don't hope is that they don't keep this feud going on. I think we, I think we all need to be done. We all need to be done with it for a while. I think yeah. this has been going on for it's, it's going on for two years now. Yeah, and it's. I just hope. I don't know where it goes. I don't know what Jericho does. I mean, either way, I think he's going to take time off for like a tour. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think um, hopefully, I don't know where Jericho goes from here. It's obviously not the world title picture yet. Oh, I, I think he's out of title picture for. Ever. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I meant um, MGF is is not going to be in the title picture as long as Omega is there. So I think we got to yeah. find something next. And maybe it's one of these new names coming. I don't know. But he's got – they got to figure out something for him. Yeah. yeah well, I listened to Busted Open and Bully where he was saying maybe make him disappear for a few weeks and then come back, you know, because he already lost. Because he can't come back to – dynamite talk and shit because then people be like you tapped out you tapped out you tapped out so disappear me disappear right. for a while let, let it cool off and then come back with whatever whichever way they're going to take them that's a good call yeah agreed especially with the pinnacle and the inner circle kind of falling by the wayside i think they need to let this feud just settle out for a little bit and then figure out a new direction the last three uh matches we were all in agreement so we don't have to review who picked what we all picked the winners, and after the Jericho uh, victory was the match that everybody came to see. I mean, we I've never seen so many CM Punk shirts 
in an arena before in my entire life. I mean, you could basically look in every single section, and there's probably about 80 people wearing a white CM Punk shirt, the official one. Those are just the official ones that they're wearing, not the ones that might have been black or a different color to decipher. But, I mean, it was packed with CM Punk shirts. And uh, Darby got a pretty good ovation when he came out. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all love Darby, and we all respect Darby. And I'm glad he got the love. There was actually a split in the crowd where people were cheering for Darby, cheering for Punk. But, I mean, by far, everybody knew uh, CM Punk was going to win this match. And it started off a little slow, wouldn't you say, Matt? Yeah, I think so. And part of that, I feel like, was, you know, it's a CM Punk's first match in seven years. So I'm not shocked that it started out as slow as it did. Quite frankly, going into it, I didn't know what to expect. And I don't think a lot of people did. Um, you know, I think we've talked about this before on the podcast, but I just got back into pro wrestling around, I want to say 2015. So right after I think CM Punk had left WWE. So I'm not too familiar with his work. I understand he was in Ring of Honor, did had a pretty good run in WWE for a while. Um, but I don't know his signature moves. I couldn't tell you like, you know, what style he works, things like that. So for me, this was a really new experience. Um, you know, we've all watched Darby Allen as part of AEW and, you know, documented that on this podcast, but seeing the two in the ring together was really interesting. Um, but as the match started out slow, it did pick up, you know, over time gradually. And I think by the end of the match, it had us all won over. I, I don't think there's any doubt that it was a great match. Um, Darby sold like crazy, did some insane moves. Punk did a great job countering the coffin drop just by sitting up and almost laughed, you know, kind of sarcastically or ironically in, you know, Darby's face. Like, why hasn't anybody just done this to avoid the coffin drop? So <laughs> I thought I thought it was really clever on both their parts. It was a great match. Good match. I mean, what more is there to say? You know, I thought it, they worked it perfectly. They started slow, built up, and then um, Punk escaped a couple, or uh, Darby escaped a couple, or only one time from getting to go to sleep. And then I, it was a good match. Good comeback match. We'll see where he goes next. That's going to be interesting. Not, I mean, they have tons of tons of ways they can go story wise with Punk. And I don't know where Darby goes either, but. There's a lot of, you know, good matchups and a lot of good stories to tell because he got a lot of good characters now. So we'll see. Yeah, I think um, one possible way they go with it is, I said this, I think, when we were traveling, but, um, you know, Punk had his showed it, you know, he and Sting and Darby shook hands and all that. They might rehash that on the next show where, like, you know, they call each other out and they're like, and then uh, 2.0 and Garcia will mess with them. And then we'll, at some point, either on TV or whatever, probably not the next pay per view, that's too far away. But I have a feeling we're going to see Sting, Darby, and Punk against 2.0 and Garcia in the weeks to come. And that'll get a little mileage. And then I don't know where it goes from there, but I, I could see that. But uh, no, I mean, just to close off this one, I think uh, Punk, yeah, it started off slow, but it really was a well-told good match. Not all of them have to be these crazy fast barn burner, you know, like spot fests. I think kind of like the the style that uh, Christians brought to W or to AEW is just good telling, good storytelling, slower matches, but well done, crisp. There were some shout outs in there to, I guess, a uh, 
uh, one, two, three kid, uh, Bret Hart match. Like they actually emulated some of the move sequences from it. Going, if you look on Twitter, some people are kind of, I think, I think, uh, Sean Waltman pointed it out too, but like that, like there's an opening sequence with a lockup and like a flip and stuff where it was almost verbatim from that match. So they were doing little things in their match to call out like some legendary matches. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely was like great sequences in there, great storytelling when uh, Darby got bumped out of the ring with the go to sleep. Um, the sequence before that was great. And you could see just Punk with a sparkle in his eye again. Yes. And like a genuine like re like sigh of relief that he's in a company where he can be himself and have fun and you know it helps when people are loving you and you're getting paid shitloads of money but he genuinely i feel is happy to be there and is going to do a lot of positive things for the promotion for a long time now amen and then what we said would probably happen would be Paul White and QT Marshall's match would go on after this one. We thought it would go maybe five minutes. It was three minutes and ten or three minutes and ten seconds. Did the job. Let everybody take a little breather. Go have a little cigarette. Go take a piss. Uh, Paul White dominated QT Marshall um, and Aaron Solo and Nick Comorado and whoever else was out there. You got to make the show look good. You got to make lit Paul. Paul might look good out there. So does anybody want to say anything about this one or should we move ahead to the main event? I'll just sum it up as match of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Phoenix dive off the cage was fantastic, but man, that choke slam just never. Yeah. Ate and, they, and they tell him the crowd to shush so he can give the chops, man. Oh, yeah. And that never gets old. <laughs> Especially when he does it, when he does it four times in a match, it does not yeah. get old. Never gets old. Actually, Actually, I did just remember one thing about this match. The dude that was so on board with um, yes. <laughs> the dude that John Moxley wrestled was genuinely oh, a huge, yeah, you said uh, hater of QT Marshall. Yes. He wanted QT Marshall to make sure that he hated him. But there was also a guy in front of us who was equally as geeky, who was a huge QT Marshall fan, was like, yelling for QT, screaming for QT, when QT's music hit was all a buzz. Kind of like uh, when me and Charlie were at NXT TakeOver, how the Undisputed Era guys were silent the whole night, and then when the Undisputed Era music hit, just like lit up and just like came alive. This was this guy. And then when QT lost in three minutes, he he like literally put his hands up and was like, that's it? Like he was, he was looking, he was looking <laughs> yeah, for that four star match. What did you expect? Jeez. That's hilarious. I oh. love it. Yeah, disillusioned fans. So that did, that did put a little, um, little extra into that match for me observing that guy. So, all right. So huge main event left. Uh, we we did an awesome job, I think, as group. Um, you know, hanging in there because you really don't want to miss a minute of action of all out. You got to time out your bathroom breaks. You got to time out your uh, merch runs. And uh, Matt and Steve did an excellent job. I think they remained in their seat pretty much the whole show. Did you not, boys? Yep. Yeah, some move. We I did. Yeah. I, I was smart enough to, right before the buy-in match started, just run to the bathroom. And I don't even yeah. think I had to go, but I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to make this make count. Sure. And if if it happens, it happens. I'm not missing a match. And we did yeah, not. Yeah, you buckled in. Smart. And you had a great time. We all had a great time. And Amen, man. You know what was a great oh. time? 
Kenny Omega with Don Callis coming out to face Christian Cage for the AEW World Championship. We knew it was going to be a great match. It was 20 minute, uh, 20 minutes long, 21 minutes and 20 seconds, basically. And um, Kenny Omega was the victor. And Don Callis put on a hell of a show to go along with it. But where Kenny Omega uh, was victorious is he took Christian Cage up to the top rope and laid the one-winged angel on him for the one, two, three. Was second it the second rope. rope, Charlie? Yeah, second rope. You know, it's rope. funny you oh, say that, though. All the way. No, I read I read a couple articles that said top rope, and I'm like, I don't think it was. So, yeah, yeah. You, you weren't the only I one that thought that. the top rope. Yeah, even yeah. Meltzer and Brian Alvarez were arguing about this on Wrestling Observer Radio, and I, I really couldn't tell you what it was. I, I think it was the the second rope. Yeah, I feel like it was the second, the second rope. rope. I think Kenny was sitting on the top rope to get the whole thing situated, and then he okay, yeah. so it was a little yeah, bit could cold, be. But I, yeah, regardless, either way, yeah, regardless, it was a, a super over the top version of the one winged angel. Um. Quite frankly, I could not tell you what happened in this match besides a blur of V-triggers. Um, there was a spear through a table. There was a spot where Kenny stomped the table on Christian's head. Honestly, after all the other matches we'd seen up to this point, there was so much good wrestling. I, it got to the point for me, at least, where it was starting to all just blur together at this point. Granted, it was still a fantastic match. I, I don't want to take anything away from it, but... I think when you put out as many good matches as AEW does, they all do kind of start to blur together, especially when you're there in person and you're just physically starting to get, you know, to the end of all the energy you can give for the night. Um, but regardless, this was a really good match. I enjoyed it. And like Mike said, Kenny Omega, one-winged angel off the second slash third rope, Christian retains, not Christian, excuse me, Christian loses, Kenny Omega retains the AEW world title. Ooh. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, I mean, it was a good match, solid, but I mean, what came after is probably what we really want to talk about. Oh, yeah. Yep. When all was said and done with the match, um, the elite got together and uh, got on the mic as they usually do after a big, big win on a big, big show, and they had something to reveal. Um, Kenny had this great speech that hinted at the All, all Elite show. The lights went dark. Adam Cole's music hits. Place goes ballistic. Absolutely goes ballistic. Uh, he comes down and I think he super kicks the Jurassic Express and uh, the Elite give the Jurassic Express and Christian the business a little bit more. And uh, all is happy in wrestling land and wrestling fans in general. I mean, this was so exciting to finally see the boy, the 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 band back together again. Basically, was this a big moment for you, Charlie? Uh, yeah, it, it was, it was cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I still kind of, I mean, yeah, because Adam Cole's a heel, dude, so I'm trying to think, I kind of want him as a face against the Elite, but it, it makes no sense for him not to be in the Elite. Yeah, that, those are his boys. They've been tight forever. So him coming in as a heel is perfect, especially with, with what came after that. But, yeah, it, it's better as a heel. I still... Fucking, it'd be even better with the Bucks with those titles. But you know, I'm sure they got something in the plan, plan story wise to to keep the heat on them. But it's it, 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 it's gonna be good, dude. I mean, some of the best shit I ever watched was uh, when when they were the when they were running uh, Bullet Club, dude. Um, fantastic shit, dude. 
It was just fantastic. It was some of the best wrestling I've seen since some of the best stuff that I was really into since ECW was that was that Ring of Honor New Japan time. It was it was interesting. It was good stuff because, like I said, whenever they had a show in Chicago, I'd roll down there solo, dude. I didn't miss an episode of Ring of Honor. I caught all the New Japan stuff that I could. It, it's it's going to be good because now, plus, they have the freedom to do whatever they want to do. They don't have to bounce it off uh, what's Gato and New Japan. They ain't got to run it by Cornette or whoever's running Ring of Honor. I can't remember the guy's name after Cornette or uh, – What's the wrestler's name? Um, oh, Marty Scurrino. No, no, no. He wore a ma- he wore a mask. He was a head booker for Ring of Honor. Um, exi- not exhibit. God dang it! I can't remember. I have to Google it. But he, they don't have to run it by that booker. Um, there's another guy who wore a mask. It's in Ring of Honor. If you look it up, I'll look it up. Yeah. Um, while while Charlie's looking that up, I I for me this delirious, 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 delirious. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead, Matt. No, I was just going to add to that. Um, yeah, for me, this was really cool to see. I, the whole arena was almost starting to do yes chants, and you could sense that people were expecting Daniel Bryan to come out. And then the lights go out, lights come on, and Adam Cole's music hits. And it it was, it was wasn't a total surprise, I think, if you're a big fan of AEW. You know, you've probably heard the rumors. You probably knew Adam Cole was in discussions with them and that his WWE contract had expired. But... When you're expecting Daniel Bryan, you get Adam Cole instead. It, it's gr- still great. Like, there was nothing bad about it. It was still equally exciting. It was um, awesome. I, I agree with Charlie. I think the heel turn was the perfect way to introduce him as a member of the elite. And yep. funny because when he came out, I for whatever reason, I had forgotten that. I was expecting him to challenge Kenny Omega because that's sort of how Kenny Omega had teed it up with the speech he had given just beforehand. Yeah, yeah. But then we see him super kick Jungle Boy and hug the Young Bucks. They're like kissing him on the cheek. It, it was great. Um, and immediately you knew, yeah, this is where he belongs. This totally makes sense. And instantly he felt like he should be at the top of the card. So a perfect way to debut Adam Cole. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The whole kiss on the cheek is like whole k- kissing on the cheeks a great thing because it's like the thing they would do to piss off fans. And then um, when they kicked him out of Bullet Club when he was going to EW, he was knocked out. So he lifted his head up and kissed him on the cheek. And I was just, it's just, it's just everything they do is perfect. It's all inter interconnected, intertwined. I know you guys don't watch Being the Elite, but if you can watch Being the Elite this week, it's totally worth it. It's really good, dude. It's it's really good. Nice. I, it's it's just funny. It's 15 minutes. It's funny as fuck. There's good shit in it. It's worth the watch. I highly recommend it. I've been watching the last few weeks, but this week is good because you get the Adam Cole shit and a lot of stuff with that. And the whole they have a whole seance to bring them back. It's just fucking funny, dude. It's just funny. <laughs> One other thing that was funny was uh, Kenny Omega and Steve Urkel. Did I do that? That was good. That was so good. Sit back. If he sticks with that, if he sticks with that and doesn't overuse it and overkill it, I think that is money. That is brilliant. (laughs) It kind of plays in the Don Callis, like unapologetic, no ownership for any underhandings. Yeah. And Kenny Omega, (laughs) the if he can use that little phrase, like when he does something really mischievous, like into the camera, it'll just be so good. 
Oh, I can't wait. So shout out to Steve Urkel, Julia White. <laughs> and um, yeah, after so when we thought that was the big reveal, I mean, pretty much everybody thought Daniel Bryan was a lock. I mean, it was going all over the interwebs that Daniel would be here. Music hits, Flight of the Valkyrie hits, and remixes to what Charlie said, a Harlem Heat kind of beat. He yep. comes out. He's wearing this top knot ponytail. He looks actually in good shape. Way better. Oh shape yeah, he does. And uh, maybe they cut catering a little earlier in WWE <laughs> because I well, thought he was... before he looked sickly, and now he looks, uh, you know, like he actually got out in the sun. Yeah, um, yeah. It's... Well, you know, he's been off for a while. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I know that. Oh, okay. Stop trying to sandbag me this episode, Charlie. <laughs> no, I'm not. We know this. This is keep the kayfabe, man. No, um, yeah, I. This was an awesome way to follow up. So, yeah, Mike, kind of like you were talking about, um, you know, after Adam Cole's debut, he's clearly a member of the elite. Kenny Omega goes all full heel on the crowd, and you know, you can't end a show like that in AEW. At least, if it were WWE, right. that'd be a different story. That's you know the status quo. But thankfully, as Kenny Omega is about to wish the crowd good night. We hear, like Mike said, Fly the Valkyries hits, remix music. Daniel Bryan, or excuse me, Brian Danielson comes walking out looking like a fit vegan Brock Lesnar. Um, he <laughs> runs down to the ring and just cleans house, starts hitting people with yes kicks, uh, the double knees. We get to see all the greatest hits from Daniel Bryan. He then teams up with uh, the Jurassic Express, which personally, if he did align with them and, you know, it kind of sort of became the fourth or fifth or whatever member of that stable that he ends up being i think it's a good first step for him in aew i think those guys can learn a lot from daniel bryan he has a really similar style to them he's yeah. clearly going to be a baby face i mean i can't imagine daniel bryan as a heel um even though we have no. seen it in the past i just think he works much better as a face it's very believable at this point it has to stay that way yeah exactly so i was really excited to see it a double debut at the end of a pay-per-view from you know that's crap that's crazy just yeah. unreal like uh, when in wrestling history has that ever happened before nowhere dude i can't think of can you two big reveals like that i can't i can't think of you usually get one and you're so jacked and it's like you get the, right. well, the well really the one that was so totally surprising was adam cole that was the one like what the fuck i was like adam cole like oh shit because you knew daniel was coming but but it's like damn bro that was fucking, that right. was intense. That was intense. Intense. It's almost like, it's like we're watching a promotion where they give the fans what they yeah, want. Exactly. Exactly. It's so weird. Yeah. yeah. It truly exactly. is. And it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, yeah, it's just cherry on the Sunday. Yeah. That's crazy. It's just, yeah, it's just nuts. That it's this good. Like I say it too, you know, it's like what ECW, hopefully it was, uh, guy with money who's willing to spend the money who's willing to book shit do shit right and it's got a good they got a really good chance to do some shit even a guy that's knows i'm a wrestling fan kind of makes fun of me for being a wrestling fan and the gym was like hey what's this aew stuff you know he had he heard about it and he's not like a, a wrestling dude he listen, he hasn't listened he hasn't watched wrestling since he was a kid you know but he had heard about aew you know so that's that's pretty good dude yeah. You get a guy yeah. like him. They got they're on they got you know coverage on Sports Illust Sports Illustrated, ESPN. They're getting coverage. Uh Brian Alvarez wrote an article for Sports Illustrated. Uh oh wow. It was just wow. published today. Yeah. I wonder, about I, wonder if, 
I wonder if Mike's buddy Glenn helped him. Oh, probably. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah, you got to get that. Thanks for listening, Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. Member You're number liar. one of the focus group, for sure. Um, no, it's Second funny. row. Yeah. It, it, it's true, though, that AEW is building buzz. Um, I was telling these guys a story, I think, on our way down to All Out this past weekend. Um, about Becky, my fiance, one of her coworkers used to be really into pro wrestling growing up and she hasn't watched it in years. Like most people, she kind of fell off in her teenage years, but she was asking questions about, well, who's wrestling nowadays that I might know. And I mentioned Chris Jericho and, you know, for anyone who's ever watched wrestling, you probably know who Chris Jericho is. So right away, she starts asking questions. I mentioned that, you know, it's his last match. If he loses, you know, that's the stipulation he has to retire. And next thing I know, she's got a text thread going with, you know, several of her friends who used to watch wrestling and still do some of them. Um, so right away, you get that buzz. Like you mentioned names like Chris Jericho. And all you got to do is tell people, you know, it's it's legitimately good. Like back, you know, like late 90s, like that kind of feeling, that kind of buzz, that kind of anticipation, it's back. So it truly is exciting. And it's great to hear that folks like Brian Alvarez are writing articles for Sports Illustrated. Like there's truly real momentum behind this and we saw that with a double debut of two former wwe stars like people that are even not maybe casual viewers might know who yeah they are. like you gotta say like right. brian was obviously one of the top stars that that wasn't homegrown that grew that they tried to keep down and adam cole was arguably one of the best nxt guys ever i mean you could argue yeah. other names but he was sure. one of the best ever dude He's yeah. he's in your he's in your top three in my opinion. Most definitely. Um, and Danielson did say, say something at the end when the camera shut off. The reason he was there was because of all the work that was put in by the people there who started AEW from day one, uh, from all in all the way to current day. Um, it's because they built this great, great foundation, and now they're just adding these big, huge pieces to the company that is just going to take it to the next level. And um, yeah, you guys are right. It's uh, it's major momentum behind it, and it is a legit movement. And um, yeah, Vince better watch his back because I think Tony Khan is going to be on the cover of some wrestling magazines real soon here, if not yeah, already. I think he's what's, so, has Tony Khan been Booker of the Year last. Two years? I know last year he was. Do you know nice. if it's the last two years, Matt? Do you know if he won? But I mean, I not that these real awards, is it too? Not that they're real awards or anything, yeah. but <laughs> still, it's still momentum, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's not Bruce Pitchard. Right. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. All right. So there's only um, the records to be reviewed yet. Uh, the AEW records do mean something, and they do mean something here. Uh, the current champ is Charlie Michael. He is currently the King Booker, and we will see if he remains on top. But we're going to save that till after promo of the week. So oh. this promo of the week comes to us from Texas, from Akeem, with an A, not Hakeem. He submitted a great promo from the iron Sheik from september 1st 1984 when he was with wwf and he's with um mean gene oakland so let's take a listen to hear what old Sheiky has to say the federation is back title defense for the heavyweight champion hulk hogan challenger cowboy bob orton in a return bop from madison square garden andre the giant to meet the iron Sheik. 
And this time, Fred Blassie to be the referee. Come on in, if you would, please, Iron Sheik. Before I talk about your match with the eighth wonder of the world, Andre, welcome to America. Welcome to, as we say, the Big Apple. Well, Gene, I can't say your last time very good, uh, Mr. Gene O'Callier, but I prefer to call you just Gene. I just want to tell you, Gene, Thank you very much to uh, you. Uh, welcome, give me, and I want to, if you don't mind, I'd like to speak a little bit for thousand, thousand Iranian people and Arabian people in the, in the New York City. I just want to say, Salam Alaikum, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Muhammad al-Rasul al-Waliullah. Andre the Giant. I'm very, I'm very curious, before I talk about Andre the Giant, what specifically is Iran known for? Well, you know, uh, Iran, they know by oil, wrestling, carpet, pistachium, uh, anything you name it. Let me say something about that under the giant. Mr. Giant, last time you was lucky, you had the American referee. But this time is my manager, uh, I mean, uh, uh, Ayatollah Blasi. No, 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 referee. That's right. This time they bring a uh, terrible shooter, they call him uh, Fred Blasi. Under the giant, this time we have two surprises for you. First of all, that Iranian oh, oh, boots. Oh, that's illegal. That's right, that's illegal. That Iranian boots, I have surprise for you. The second surprise is Ayatollah Blasi gonna be the referee. Under no, 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 the no. giant. Yeah, Fred Blassi. That's all Connie Coliseum this Friday night, fans. You wouldn't want to miss it, Andre the Giant at the Iron Sheet. We've gotten some crazy ones over the last couple weeks, boys, but um, what can you say about Iron Sheik? Then, now, forever. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah, well said, Steve. Not sure I can add too much to that. I mean, like you said, the guy's a legend, then, now, forever. Sheiky baby. Yeah. Smokes a lot of herb too. Yeah, like to and, get high and, and go on Twitter. <laughs> well, him, and Hack, him and Hacksaw got busted smoking oh, weed. Oh yeah, when they were back when back oh, yeah. when heels and faces should yep. be seen together, and they got arrested yep. together. Yep, yep. They were rolling down the road. They got a lot of stories. All right, so the moment you've all been waiting for the records and who will be King Booker. So I did the worst. Um, I did oh, wow. I we were uh, six wins, six wins, three losses. I was at the bottom, uh, followed by the next two people. Uh, Charlie and Steve were tied at seven and two. Oh, and damn. King Booker, new champion, Matt Michelson. Oh, man. How do you feel, Matt? Was Matt, what was Matt's, what was his record? Eight and one. Eight and one. Yeah, the only one I think I the only one I think I got incorrect was the Casino Battle Royale because I had picked Ty that. Yeah, and and I had a hunch Ruby Soho was gonna be the Joker, and I think we talked about that last week, but even then I was like, I don't know that they'd push her that quickly. Um but in hindsight, you know, it's kinda like I said earlier, on the night it made sense. So I'm not disappointed at all. We had a great weekend of wrestling. I mean, it was one of the best wrestling pay per views of all the time, so quite frankly whatever um but i am proud to be king booker um on top of the podcast for at least the next foreseeable future and all i want to say is uh first time watching wrestling huh charlie i took i took i took what i took two chances i was only one behind you you might you might want to stay up to date buddy 
I took two dark horses and still, and still was on your tail. You were, you were. I, I'll give you that. Well, I think, uh, Matt, what you should really be offering uh, Charlie is a little piece of advice. It's to stay humble, <laughs> stay hungry, and stay hard. Triple H! Triple H! Woo! Thanks for listening, everybody. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and like us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Peace! Woo! Destination! Now